Our scripture reading today is from the gospel we call Luke, and it is from chapter 1, verses 26 through 45. And so we're about halfway through the opening story here before Jesus is born. And it reads, When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen to me since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And the angel left her. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you that we have your word and that it comes to us. That words written long ago by people long ago carries your truth, your good news, and as we hear the words, as we tell the story, as we hear how you bring them to life in our lives today, I thank you that you come to us where we are. So may all that has been prepared, may it be yours. Speak through me in spite of me. Help us to hear you in spite of ourselves. Let all that is said and heard let it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So we uh, are in the middle of a series, Almost Christmas, which is kind of a strange title, but it's based, if you, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, John Wesley, the founder of our Methodist movement, uh, he preached a sermon called Almost Christian to a group of clergy and training, more or less, and lifted up that the almost Christian is someone who shows up to church, 
who does good things, who gives faithfully, who knows the scriptures, who prays, who does all the right things, almost. The altogether Christian is one who gives their whole being, their whole heart, every desire, motivation, ambition, goal, gives it all 100% to God, holding nothing back. Wesley called the clergy that day to move from being almost Christian to altogether Christian. And we think of our Christmas season, and we know how it's been commercialized. We know these things. We go through the battle, right? There's the epic battle of, do you put an X before MAS, or do you put Christ before MAS, which X is Christ. You didn't know that. Uh, but the battle, they, they come about in a way that I wonder, are we, are we forgetting what it's really all about? Do we talk about the hope and the peace and the love and the joy that comes at this time? Uh, buying gifts and having meals and singing songs, wonderful things. They're all good things. Amen? But they can distract us. Have we given all of ourselves in this time to God? Everything we do, holding nothing back. Is it almost Christmas or is it an altogether Christmas? And so today we lit the candle of love. And so we're going to talk about almost love versus altogether love. Do you see the theme I'm working with here? Yeah. It's, a, it's something for us to think about. Now, God loves you. Yes? All right. How, how many here have taken a selfie? I, don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand. How many of you have seen a selfie? How many have used a selfie stick? I never have either. I don't own one. But uh, you know a selfie, right? If you, if you don't know, a selfie is when you hold your phone and you take a picture of yourself. And you, do it, you have to do it just right. You have to get the right background, right? And at the right time. And then you've got to move your neck a certain way so you don't get the wrinkles in there. And then you purse your lips just right, right? You give the look just perfectly. And if something's out of place, you fix it. Then you take a picture and then you look at it. Oh, I've got to do it again, right? You adjust. And you get it perfect. And then maybe use a filter to smooth out you know, the blemish on your face and, and smooth your hair and, make, and do all the things that people do. You know what I'm talking about. And then you post it. World, this is me. That's not you. But we see that and we do that all the time. Now, I'm not picking on people in social media. Okay, Selfies are fun, uh, but it's a good example of a long-standing human tradition where we only present the version of ourselves we want people to see. And we do this on Sunday mornings. We do it. We even talk about Sunday best, right? And there's an element of Sunday best that's wonderful. It is God your king, right? And if you're going to go and you're going to meet a king, if you're going to meet the president, are you going to think about what you wear? Well, of course you are. So God's a king, yes. God's also a father. So think about, well, God's a parent. Think about moms, dads, if you have one, if you are one. Does it matter how you present yourself to your parent? To affect the love or respect between the parent? Does it really affect? Do we just put our best on to present our selfie? Sometimes. Sometimes we can all be guilty of that. And sometimes the repercussions are people that don't have the suit or the dress who want to be in the church. They start to compare themselves, just like the people who see the selfies, especially those of us who are younger, well, not me anymore, younger people who see the selfie and don't realize that's not real. And they compare themselves to what they see and think is real, which never goes well. 
The same way that some people stand outside and wonder, do I have any place in a church? I don't look the part. Sometimes we give the message that we have to come with our Sunday best in many ways, and that can be good and that can be harmful. So, are we truly revealing ourselves in this room to these people? All of ourselves. Do we present ourselves completely to God? God knows you. God even knows the things that you hope no one knows about. But still, we somewhat try to convince ourselves, right? That we've got to, when we stand before God, we've got to be a selfie, more or less. Do we know the love of God? So Zechariah versus Mary. Let's talk about these two because in the opening chapter of Luke, we have both. They are related. Uh, Elizabeth and Mary are cousins. Zechariah is married to Elizabeth. Zechariah, we find in the temple. In the temple, the Holy of Holies, the one time of year that anyone was allowed into the Holy of Holies, and he's burning incense to God. Only once every 12 years did someone from his tribe get to get to go in there, but only one person was selected. He happened to be selected. This is the epitome of a holy man of upstanding quality sitting in the, the Holy of Holies. And if he had a cell phone, he would have been taking a selfie. And when the angel shows up and gives him good news of hope, he struggles. And then we have Mary. Mary, who's not the picture of the epitome of religious quality, She's not even an adult yet. She's not a man, right? And in that time, if you were a woman, you weren't even fully human. True. Mary, who's humble and lowly, insignificant, whose testimony wouldn't even be allowed in court, is presented. Not the selfie image. The angel shows up and gives good news, and it's quite a different Response. Now, the words out of the angel's mouth are, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And then Mary, I try to picture it. She was confused and wondered what kind of greeting this was. And then he says, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is favoring you. Now, the word for favoring is the exact same word as uh, or honoring in our, as our reading is the same word as favor. So God is favoring you. He says it twice. Greetings, favored one. And then he says, don't be afraid, God is favoring you. And I wonder what she felt like in that moment. Confusion. Confusion about being favored. Confusion about what was said. Now, she's inquisitive, and she wants to know. When Zechariah was told of the good news, Zechariah and all of his wisdom and religious uh, you know, greatness said, now I am an old man, and my wife's pregnant, how... Uh, how is this exactly? How am I going to know this? Prove it, God. And where he said, I am an old man wise, Gabriel said, well, I am Gabriel. Okay, so you're quiet now and you can't talk until your son's born and that will be your proof. Mary hears the news and doesn't ask for proof. She simply inquires. I know how this works and we're missing a piece of the equation. So how is this, how is this happening again? And the angel says, well, Holy Spirit will be with you. It's going to make it happen. Okay? And the conversation ends with Mary simply saying, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. What devotion. We consider the images of Zechariah and Mary, and we see the devotion and the faith in the child. Only someone who understands God's love, God's favor, so completely is willing to take on the difficult task 
that she was asked to take on, which is to be in a scandalous situation, pregnant, not married, a young girl. Can we just be in awe of a teenage girl, 14, 15 years old, finding courage and strength and faith where an older man in a position of power fails? It's quite a scandalous way to begin the story. Amen? Well, we can set aside all the miracle of the birth of the Son of God and the the establishment of the kingdom forever. We can set that aside, and even though we understand the miracle of the virgin birth, even if we don't fully accept it, some argue it. Mary goes to Elizabeth, this courageous young girl, and then now she's suddenly hand-in-hand with another miracle mother, two pregnant cousins, one pregnant long after she expected to be, and one pregnant well before she expected to be. All these contrasts working, one filled with hope after having been hopeless, one in the midst of scandal after having doing things right. Notice the last lines of today's passage. Elizabeth says, why do I have the honor that the mother of the Lord should come to me? So she's confused about this favor that's found on her. There's all this God's love and favor right there, and they're just having trouble grasping it, which we can relate to. So she says to Mary, finally, she's filled with the Holy Spirit, blessed is she that the Lord, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises he made to her. Elizabeth confirms her, and then it's in that moment something changes. But I wonder, first, how would we respond if God's messenger came to us and told us we were simply favored by God? Would we demand proof? Would we ask for an explanation? Would we struggle to accept this truth? Would we make the journey out to seek someone who might be able to confirm it for us? Now, Christmas is about us anticipating the coming. Advent means anticipating. We tell the story of others who had anticipated, Mary and Elizabeth and many others. We tell the story as we look forward, as we anticipate the coming of Christ in our future. We tell about the birth, the death, the resurrection, the second coming, but do we truly anticipate the coming of Christ here and now to be birthed within us? Do we truly share in an altogether love of God now? Do you believe you are fully loved in your anti-selfie way for who you are and for all that you are? I think only when we understand the fullness of God's complete altogether love and when we understand that we're favored, that's the beginning of our understanding of love and our ability to love itself. So can we practice something that we don't accept for ourselves? that we don't even understand? Can we embody something that we don't receive? We're asked to love. When Jesus is confronted in his ministry, what's the greatest commandment? And say it with me if you know it. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Can we love our neighbor or ourself if we don't even understand the love of God? I think not. What if Jesus is saying, first love God with all yourself and realized you are loved for all you are. And then as you are loved, as yourself are loved, go and love others. Maybe only when we lay down our fear and our carefully crafted selfie image 
our Sunday best, our almost love with God? Do we then grasp what love is to the point where we know the true love of self, where we know it because we know how we are loved, how we are favored, from which then we can truly and fully go and share that altogether love to others. Now, Mary struggled with this kind of love from God. She didn't understand. Elizabeth had a head start. She had six months head start. Morning sickness. Yeah. And then feeling movement. All this confirmation that what she had been told is true. Maybe she was told Zechariah couldn't tell her, could he? Mary comes immediately in her confusion. And Elizabeth, who's had time to sit with it, and feels the movement and interprets it. And then the Holy Spirit is in her and she confirms the situation. She gives Mary clarity. And in that moment, Mary changes. In that moment when Elizabeth, through Elizabeth, God confirms the truth to Mary of the altogether love. It's that when Mary erupts in what we call the Magnificat, the rejoicing of Mary, which is basically her just spewing out Old Testament line after line and a poetic tapestry of promises made embodied with what she's experiencing now as she's putting it all together as she knows it's true, as she's come to understand that she is favored and that God is working a miracle through the presence of Christ within her. She recalls ancient promises. She tells of the humble rising up, right? and the exalted being lowered, all knowing that Zechariah, the exalted priest, was lowered in his lack of faith while Mary and in her insignificance was exalted in her faith. She's embodying the promise and it erupts from her when she understands and accepts it. Now, we may, we may struggle. She recalls all this and she's living the promise and she dances I wonder, have we ever danced for joy at understanding God's love and favor for us? Have we sang a song of jubilation of God's work in our life in the past, in the future, and in the present? Are we eagerly anticipating the fullness of an altogether love bursting forth within our very souls? And if not, are we still in this puzzled state? Are we here looking for confirmation? Friends, we've all lived lives doing what we felt is best. Amen? So when my four-year-old, I won't tell you which one, when she does something she's not supposed to do, right? When she grabs something off the shelf she wasn't supposed to grab, and we see it, not on the shelf anymore, and I say to her, did you go up and grab that off the shelf? Okay, and in her mind, she's doing what's best for her. She's thinking, if I say yes, that's not good. If I say no, I may have a chance. So she makes the decision that's best for her in the moment. Is it the right decision? But is it the best decision? In her mind, yes it is. We all do this. We've spent our lifetime doing what we feel is best for us. We've made mistakes in the moment. We did that because we thought it was best, even if it were wrong or risky. We've given in to fleeting moments of temptation and desire We've abandoned our hope and our future in the moment simply for a want or a need that we thought we needed right then and there. We've all been there. Every one of us, everyone that's walked the earth has been there. They understand 
So when we see people around us doing things we wish they wouldn't, we should know they're only doing what they think is best. Why would they do it otherwise? And I know it's easy to just concentrate on what everyone else is doing and what we think we know they should do, all the same while knowing others are looking at us saying, why are they doing that thing? Because we th they think we, they know what we should do. We try to love others and each other the best we know how. The problem isn't our effort. The problem is we don't know an altogether love. We oftentimes have an almost love, and worst of all, we sometimes convince ourselves that that is all there is, is an almost. Now, we may be like Elizabeth, long past the times of things we've been hoping for. We may be feeling hopeless. He may be like Mary, feeling far too unfit or unqualified and feeling insignificant. The word love is our word today. It means, literally, giving of yourself for another, and in parentheses, expecting nothing in return. That's that selfless. Do you see that cross? I know, it's kind of hidden back here. There's a cross. That cross is a sign of God's giving of God's self. Jesus Christ is born as a child and then went to the cross for all the earth and everyone who's in it. That's the furthest extent of giving of oneself that you can go, and God already did it. Amen? God gave God's self in Jesus Christ. Why? Because God loves you and God favors you. God favors us. God chooses us to be pregnant with the very same Spirit of God right here and now to have the presence of Christ within our souls to fully embody an all-together love that we may be filled with joy and that we may go and fill the world with that all-together love. That we may give of ourselves, even if it means a cross, because we know that God's love's eternal. It can't be crushed. Can it run out? Can it be snuffed? Is it finite? We can give of ourselves because we have an altogether peace, hope, and love of God. So let us live this altogether love with God and consider where God might be calling you to be an Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit, to lay hands on another and confirm you are favored. Or to be Mary and to come to know the full favor of God yourself and to know the altogether love so that we can then, knowing the love, go and proclaim it as we have come to know it. This is our calling. This is Advent. Are you with me? Are we ready? Because you can give it an almost try, but I urge you, I implore you, that we all go in and give it an all-together, all-in try. And then let God take it from there. It doesn't matter if you have it all figured out. That's why we have the Spirit. That's good news. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that we can tell this story, we can tell it again and again and again, and as we slowly start to grasp all that it means, when it goes beyond the surface and superficial, when it goes beyond the selfish, when it goes beyond the selfie, Lord, I thank you that you are so patient with us, that you continue to be present with us, that you walk with us through this journey that in the times we have felt barren, you bring life. And at the times where we feel we are in over our head, you bring us 
faith and courage and confirmation. Lord, help us to be Elizabeth's and Mary's in our world as we anticipate the coming of Christ as you would bring it through us. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.